For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Logan Murdoch here with Rob Mahoney. This is the Ringer NBA Show Dog Days edition. Is that right? Do we? Is that? Did I get it right, Rob? Was that cool? Yeah, I think. I feel like we just woke up from a nap. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, str- I'm stretching. I'm trying to get my bearings. I'm, I'm bleary eyed. Let's see if we can make sense of whatever the hell is left to talk about this off season. Is that your, your way of telling us and the listening audience that you're just waking up from Vegas? Is that what you're saying from Vegas Summer League? Can't officially comment on that. But okay. I'm not going to deny it either. I'm not going to say Justin Verrier is not listening, but I'm not going to not say that he's not. Listening. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but like we'll, we'll keep that under wraps. But um, yeah, man, we are doing we are talking um, final four from last year in the NBA. We're talking about the final four teams who made it um, in the postseason where they go from here. I don't think let's just get right to it, Rob. Let's, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Who do you want to start with? I want to start with a team that you wrote about uh, towards the end of last uh, postseason, right before the finals, the Dallas Mavericks. Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks, your hometown team. Mavericks, improbable run to the Western Conference Finals, a very surprising run. It was one of those historic Maverick runs where no one thought it was going to happen. And like all of a sudden, oh, snap, the Mavericks are in the Western Conference Finals. Um, they beat the uh, Phoenix Suns in seven games an upset and then they lost uh they got swept by the warriors but a really successful season nonetheless um you know i think that uh they got they got christian wood and and uh free agency javel mcgee and free agency well christian wood was traded but that was the big additions um i think i want to first start with christian wood yeah with this team um i've been watching christian wood highlights for the better part of this morning You've been grinding the tape. I've been grinding the tape, man. Uh, But Christian Wood is a really intriguing prospect. But it's it's just I'm just interested to see. I think we've talked about this offline. How he is going to fit alongside Luca, but more importantly, how he's going to fit on a postseason uh, striving team. What do you think about about that addition and where he kind of goes in that equation? You bring up an interesting point about Christian Wood on highlights because I would love to talk to someone who's only seen his highlights. And then I would love to talk to someone who's only seen the lowlights and because f- they're just completely irreconcilable players, right? Like Wait, quick, 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 quick thing real quick. When I was on YouTube watching him this morning, yeah. um, there were two separate highlights. There was the lowlights of Christian oh, Woods no. and then there was the highlights <laughs> of Christian Woods. Both were spectacular. Yeah, they are quite spectacular. But to your point about the playoffs, I think what we're looking for is like the midlights. Like what is the average Christian Wood possession? And is that good enough for a high level playoff team? I think the evidence to this point says maybe not like maybe the focus and the like the specific execution, you know, all the stuff that teams like the Warriors have in spades. 
that stuff isn't quite there for Christian Wood. And maybe that's something he grows into. Maybe the Mavs coaching staff, which I think did such a great job last season, can coach him up and get him up to speed defensively and get him more consistent. But we haven't seen anything to suggest he's that guy yet. I mean, did you see anything on his highlight reel to suggest he could be? I think the biggest knock on Christian Wood is his defensive prowess um, or lack thereof. But he's so athletic and he can get there if he wants to. I think it's a matter of, and this is just another thing that I've always thought about uh, Christian Wood or specifically, um, you know, when he left uh, Detroit, he hasn't been on a team that has honestly demanded that out of him on a, on a high level. You know, I think uh, the Mavericks have been, um, are, are the first team where he's going to be held accountable and they're going to have a lot more eyeballs on him just for the fact that Luke is on a team and there's just more eyeballs um, on a playoff contending team. So I'm curious to see which Christian Wood comes in this type of environment um, and I'm not, I'm not sure. That's, that's just a, a big thing. The biggest thing though, is I guess the overall question, Christian Wood is included in this, but did they, did the Mavericks, this is like, a, this is going to be a, a question every Mavericks off season for, I think the next decade, did they put enough firepower around Luca? Now their biggest additions were Christian Wood, JaVale McGee, and I guess you could say Tim Hardaway, yeah. right? And it goes back to your point of what you wrote for the ringer a few months back, which is, you know, the Mavericks will be okay sitting still. And now I know that they made the big trade for Wood, but by and large, like the team isn't, uh, I don't think that they've made like a big splash in terms of the offseason. Where do you think, how do you think that they built around Luka in this summer? And are, are they going to be, is that going to help them or hurt them next season? Well, buried in that piece was an assumption, right? In the piece I wrote about the Mavs, which is, I wrote that they have this blueprint for success, which is they have a high-level defense, they have Luka Doncic, they have something that's clearly working on a playoff level. Why isn't this enough to build around as, as a core going forward? And the assumption was, this could be good enough if you keep Jalen Brunson, and they didn't. And so now I think there's a lot of more possibilities on the table, right? This is much more of a, a puncher's chance, a roll-of-the-dice kind of team where night-to-night you're going to get good Tim Hardaway or bad Tim Hardaway. You're going to get Dorian Finney-Smith hitting his threes or not hitting his threes, right? Like those are kinds of the problems that they're going to ebb and flow with over the course of the season. And you hope Christian Wood can stem some of that. And I think offensively, maybe he can like to, to your point about how his biggest problems are on defense. This is a guy who basically put up 2010 kinds of numbers on a bad team. I wouldn't be surprised if he has similar numbers on a good team with Luca throwing him lobs with that, that kind of facilitation. You know, if, if the Mavs are fourth place in the West by the all-star game and he's putting up 19 and nine, th- I think there will be a quiet, like, is this guy an all-star reserve kind of push for him? I don't know that it'll be totally re- like deserved, but I think that that conversation will be had. And I think that kind of speaks to where the Mavs are, where he's the closest thing they have now to a second star. And I'm not sure he's really any closer to that than Jalen Brunson. And he certainly hasn't proven in the postseason like Brunson now has. I think the biggest thing, and you brought up Brunson. I want to get to that in a second. But there's just a a, a vibe that it seems like, I don't think this team is finished, man. I, I don't think this team is finished building yet, right? Like, I don't think this team that we see right now is necessarily going to be the team that goes into the postseason next year. If, you know, it's just a, it's just a gut feeling. Just in... I think I think it's going to mirror a lot of last season where, you know, they might be trading water to start the season and um, figuring themselves out. And then a trade deadline deal just comes into fruition and then they might help them or hurt them. But that last year, them, their performance at the trade deadline got them to the conference finals. There's there's no way uh, around sure. that. What what other move can they? What other move do you think that they they should or could make uh, this season or, or going into uh, you know the trade deadline uh, next season? Yeah, the tricky thing is they kind of already did their consolidation move right with for the Christian Wood deal. Like here's a bunch of guys in our roster we don't really use that much. Here's a draft pick. Let's get Christian Wood and take a chance on him. Beyond that, I think you're looking at Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract and trying to attach enough stuff to it that it interests a team going downhill with a veteran guy they don't really need anymore who could be more helpful to you than Tim Hardaway Jr. That's that's kind of the space they're living in. And so it has to be almost reactive or proactive in a way where they're, they have to read the market. They have to see how other teams are doing. They have to jump on those opportunities. 
it's hard to look at the beginning of the season and say, oh, like there's this clear guy who they're going to be able to target or even a clear kind of player they're going to be able to target because I think what makes the Mavs roster so intriguing is you can play Dorian Finney-Smith at the three or the four. You can play Luka Doncic at one, two, or three if you really wanted to. Like You could fit a lot of different kinds of players onto this roster. The only guy who's really locked in is Luka. Everything else is really flexible, uh, including are they going to start... JaVale McGee at the five and Christian Wood at the four. Is that is that how they're going to look? And if, if they do start that way, how often are they going to play big versus small? So Luka gives you a lot of options, which I think is, is the great value of him as a superstar is the different constructions you could put around him. But you got to actually figure one of them out. You know, you, you really got to lock in on one trade target and... You know, we've seen from this team in the past when they when they got Chris Epps Porzingis, sometimes it's a surprise trade in the middle of the season. Sometimes it's not even at the deadline. It's just months ahead of it because they see the one guy that they can pick up at the right time. How much are they going to uh, miss Jalen Brunson this season? A lot. It's going to be tough. And, you know, I think those are always the things that we talk about with co-stars to put next to Luka is, you know, can we get the wing defender guy? Can we get the rolling, like a, a star center? Can we get another ball handler in there? And to lose the best secondary ball handler on the team and put, I think what's going to have to be so much of that responsibility with Spencer Dinwiddie, who had a, had a really nice stretch after coming to the Mavs, but even in the playoffs was like these other guys, very up and down, you know, had some huge moments, but they were huge moments at the end of a 38% shooting night. And yeah. so is that going to be good enough? I, I I don't really see it. And I think kind of what's overshadowing this whole conversation is, you know, is Christian Wood good enough? Is Spencer Dinwiddie good enough? Is this roster good enough? The West is going to be better, right? Like we got the Clippers back in the mix. We got the Nuggets back in the mix. We'll see what happens with the Suns. They might be, they might be what they were plus Kevin Durant, more or less, you know, by the time yeah. the playoffs come around, not to mention the Warriors. And so is, are these guys good enough to break through a, a, you know, a more dense conference in terms of its its top tiers. I, that That's where it gets a little dicey and where you think of, like, how many possessions can we realistically give to Spencer Dinwiddie that we just gave to Jalen Brunson? And I don't feel great about that. It's tricky, right? Because I think, you know, it, it, especially hindsight, like, Jalen Brunson was going to the Knicks. You know, it was it was just going to happen. You know, it was, just, it was just, it was in the cards the whole time. Um, but, to the point where it almost seemed like an overreach in my eyes to, for the Knicks. Just, you know, like we're going to just, over, we want this guy. We're locked in on this guy. I'm curious to just to see how Mavericks respond to this because I think that it's, at the end of the day, this all revolves around Luka Doncic. It all does. He's yep. one of the rare players. I think there's about, I don't, I don't want to put numbers on it, but there's only a few players that are walking championship contenders on their own. You know, Giannis is an example. Um, and Luca has become that example over the last few months, right? Where he's that guy where you build around and you, similar to how LeBron was about seven, eight years ago, where he's just on the floor, okay, we're going to compete for a title. That's it. And Luca's kind of going into that. Luca's been working out. He's been playing playing a lot this offseason, playing the Euro leagues and stuff like that. I, what Luca are you expecting this year? I, I, I think there might be like I think he might get that MVP that he has been like he's always kind of mm. been in a conversation for, but there's a there's a bigger chance now. It seems like a little chip on his shoulder. He's playing, he's playing this offseason, and I think that's going to help him. Yeah, I I like the MVP case for yeah. him because otherwise, I mean, we're looking at I think Jokic again. I, I think voters would not necessarily swing that way just on a conceptual level. And so then you're getting into, you know, Embiid or Giannis or, you know, is Durant back in that conversation? And Luka just has such a compelling case between the numbers, the impact, his team's reliance on him, as you mentioned. That's that's where it's going to come from. And I think he he is primed for that kind of season. And he's at the point in his career where just kind of like arc-wise this is when guys start to take an even bigger leap. You know, the, the best of the best of the best players. This is when they hit an even different level. And that's what makes the Mavs in this conversation, no matter what they do with their roster. You know, to, to your point, a guy who is a contender unto himself and you can't rule them out. You can't rule them out from being just the kind of surprise team they were last season because Luka is that good. And so that, like, th that always 
puts them in such an interesting space, as we've been talking about, as a trade candidate, as a team that could just have an amazing January and all of a sudden be in second place in the conference. And all of that is owed to Luca. And then you start to think about like where, what are the areas where this guy can get better? And I think the biggest ones are some of the ones that are effort-based, that are conditioning-based. I mean, we saw in the playoffs, the Suns picked on him for like one game. And then afterwards, he was just a totally different defender. I mean, he's not defensive player of the year, but he was he was fighting in a different way. And it's like, if that kind of stuff is right there within his grasp and within his control, what happens when you give him three months of off-season work to, to hone some specific skill and what are we going to see from him? I'm, I'm really anxious to find out. I guess I want to I want to have the question: Are they going to be real next year or fake? Just to, just to, just to put a book in on the Mavericks season. Why you got to be so binary about it? Can't they be kind of? We're in doing a Final Four show, Rob. <laughs> we're doing we're doing a, a look ahead. This is a look ahead question. I think they're more real than fake, but it's still not looking super likely that they're going to be back in the final four. I, I think there are just too many teams like look at the warriors and they're going to have a hard road, but they're the mm-hmm. champions. They've shown all the different ways they can get back to that stage. We're going to find out pretty soon how much of this was just like a pleasant surprise and so many things breaking in the Mavs favor to get them to the conference finals. But I think they've got a shot and that's kind of where you want to be when you have a team that's youngish. And uh, you know, as, as we've, talked about in so many ways, like not cemented in any way. This is a roster that's still coming together and yet you have a shot. I don't think that's a bad place to be. Let's talk about um, another team. Let's go to the, let's go to the Eastern Conference, man. Another team that you were, you know, you were around um, last season. Um, let's go with the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat, um, I was funny because I was writing my little notey notes and, um, you know, I like to do like key losses and key additions. It, it's pretty kind of straightforward for Miami. They lost PJ Tucker. Who were who were the key additions for the Miami Heat um, for you? Their rookie Nikola Jovic. Did I say that right? I said that right. Yep. You that nailed was, it. That was their um that was their key addition. And that's that says everything you need to know about the Miami Heat right now. You know, um yeah. and I think they're one of those teams that, you know, as soon as Kevin Durant said I want to go or it was reported that he said, I want to go to Miami or Phoenix. Both teams, at least for a bit, had been in a holding pattern. It's like, oh, man, like, can we get him? Like, is it okay? Is there, is there like, let's kick the tires on this. But Miami, Miami's going to be in the mix some kind of way. I just don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the overachieving Miami Heat team or the fighty, scrappy Miami Heat team that has a great first round series gets to the second round team. I don't know yet. I haven't, I don't, I, I can't. I can't I can't put my finger on the Miami Heat right now. Yeah, I think the the lack of any clear addition for them is is pretty brutal. I mean, the Mavs lost a player who they kind of couldn't afford to lose in Brunson, and I think the Heat in their own way did with PJ Tucker. Like I don't know who you plug into that spot who does the stuff that PJ Tucker does. And the fact that there's no real rotation addition, at least from outside the roster, that's that's a tough break in a conference that that's going to be pretty hard to break through and to parse. And this is a team that was so close to getting to the NBA Finals, and you want to give them the benefit of that doubt. But it just looks it looks tougher and tougher because I think it's very much reliant. The Heat's entire case is very much reliant on are you getting a better, healthier season out of Kyle Lowry, a guy who might not just be in a phase of his career anymore where he's giving you better, healthier seasons. And are you getting any development from Bam and Abayo at this point where he's going to go from all-star to something more than that? Those are basically what their roster depends on because the, you know, they might have a little bit better health. They, they, I think, very quietly had a pretty checkered season last year in terms of guys just like we're out of the lineup for in the final balance 20 plus games, 15 plus games for a lot of their core guys. So that'll that'll be nice for a team that was already first place in the East. But when we're talking about getting back to the conference finals and beyond, I don't know. Like a, a lot is all of a sudden writing on Max Struess to be unbelievable again or to find the next Max Struess and plug him into your roster. And I don't know. I, I don't know that I trust in the roster as constructed to be quite as good as it was. It's funny because the the, the Miami Heat seasons it feels like they're a buildup to, you know, they they, pl- they play really well throughout the regular season. It's a buildup to, we're just going to over-rely on Jimmy Butler in the postseason. We're just going <laughs> to give the ball to Jimmy and figure out what, then we're going to just put the ball and live and die with what he does. And Jimmy Butler is... Not a, not a bad strategy. Not a bad strategy. As far as it goes. But as you see, though, the reason why, um, you know, 
they've been beaten is because the teams that have beaten him have been way more balanced than they have, especially offensively. I, I guess I, this is the question um, that I keep coming to is, is Jimmy Butler going to be at that level another year, you know, because he's getting yeah. a little old, he's getting old long in the tooth. Um, is he going to be able to do that? And this is also like a roster that is older. You know, the guys that they do rely on is are a bit older and veterans, but How's Jimmy Butler going to be next season? What do you think? What do you see in Jimmy? I mean, he was great. He just had an, an incredible season, an incredible playoffs. And I, I wonder, too, like how different is this conversation we're having right now if Jimmy Butler hits one more shot, right? Like, if he hits that three against the Celtics, the Heat go to the finals. Is the framing of this entire conversation so different where it's like, oh, they went to the finals and they're getting Kyle Lowry back? And, you know, like, yeah. I, obviously we'd have to account for the PJ Tucker part of that, but Jimmy Butler's 32 years old, you know? Like, and he's asked to do so, so much, as you mentioned, and so, so much in a way that's very reliant on him to be physically dominant, right? Like, he, he's cagey, he's clever, he'll bait you into fouls, he gets his angles, he does all of that stuff. He's, he's a brilliant basketball player, but he's also strong as hell. And he's going to bump bump you out of his way and push you off. And he has to be exactly as explosive as he is right now. Or else he's not getting those same angles. Mm -hmm. He's not getting those same advantages. And so as those things start to go, you know, I don't think the floor is going to drop out on him dramatically, as dramatically as we've seen from some of these other stars who are just so reliant on their burst speed or, or their vertical or whatever it is. Like he has enough tools to kind of have a graceful landing ultimately. But But you pinpointed it. Like if he isn't an MVP caliber player, the Heat are not a championship-level team. They, they just don't have the construction to be that, and I don't see anywhere in this roster that suggests they're necessarily ready to compensate for a big Jimmy Butler drop-off. Are the Heat back in the Final Four next year? I vote no. I think no, and I think my vote has a lot to do with, with Giannis, basically. like I'm, I'm kind of thinking the Bucks are back, or failing that, I'm increasingly kind of eager to see and optimistic about the Sixers with you know Harden getting some time to... to fix whatever is going on with his hamstring. They got PJ Tucker. So there's some, some addition by addition and subtraction going on with that kind of direct matchup. They had a really nice off season in the exact way the heat didn't, right? Yeah. Like we're going to fill out our roster with role players that complement our guys do. I think the heat had a lot of reasons to think they already had a lot of those role players. But if we're talking about how does this team get better? I'm not, I'm not sure there's a, a clear roadmap for that. One of those, one of the things that's intriguing and it, it, we touched on the Sixers. I mean, we talk about James Harden's um, sometimes lack of work ethic or wh where he's been in his career. I think if you look back in his career, there have been like three or four seasons where he's just like worked his tail off and got into shape and his play and, and played like an MVP right after. And it seems like this is just one of those summers where like he's betting on everything. He he has a you know, he has basically essentially a one-year deal with a player option, right? Like he's he's locked all the way into success here, gave away a lot of money. Um, and at least he is, you know, he he is at least purporting himself to be ready for next season. But I'm really curious to see what James Harden does at this stage of his career. It's gonna be really interesting because it seems like just one of those summers where he's at least saying all the right things and is and is seems to be ready to go next year. Is this going to be that kind of summer for us, do you think? Are we getting in the gym, rising and grinding? I'm in the gym. Ready to have our MVP? I'm in the gym, ready to go. Yeah. Let's go. You're done. You're you're, you're doing step backs on step backs on step backs a la James Hart. Yeah, man, I got my like, you know, I got my like week um, rest and, you know, got my like, and now I'm like in the gym just shooting jumpers and stuff. We'll get to like the other stuff yep. in a bit and just work that into the routine. But I'm in the gym right now. I'm ready to roll. I dig it. I, I appreciate that you're in the lab even this early. You know, you're you're already yeah. refining. But yes, um, I, I do think that with James, I think that there, there might be something going there. Do we want to at least touch on the Durant possibility for the Heat? Because that changes a lot of this conversation, right? I'm curious what your read was on the Heat's inclusion in that conversation because just from kind of reading between the lines, it seemed a lot like Kevin Durant wanted to go to Phoenix and to mm -hmm. kind of round out the trade request. He's like, oh, let's, let's throw the Heat in there too. I, they felt like a pretty distant second to me. I don't think they're as distant as you might think. No? Because Katie has always kind of had a like an eye on Miami in terms of like he gave them a meeting in 2016. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he he's always respected that organization and just how they go about things. Um, you know, he, I think uh, it was funny. It was, a, it was 
a few years ago, he worked out at like uh, American Airlines Arena with PJ Tucker. They just had like you know and and worked out together. That doesn't mean anything in terms of of uh, of like his availability with the Heat, but like he is a guy that that it means one thing, which is hook him. You know? Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, shout out to Austin, Texas. Yes. Um, but uh, I think when he said the Miami Heat, or when it would that was one of his choices. I think it was really. Uh, you got to give the Heat a little bit more credit than them to just be at a distant second. I think he was serious about it. I think that that's some. I think that's a team that he really likes and an organization that he really respects. Um, I think it's more of a thing of it's right now. It's just hard to get him. You know, it's yeah. just really hard to get a guy like that. Not only for the salary standpoint, but he's a little long in the tooth and has injury history, right? So to a lot of the teams that he wants to go to, you have to part with younger guys and gut your team because he's so good um and even a team like toronto you know they have to part with scotty barnes that's that's tough right and so you know i think it's more of a circumstance of like if this was katie like four years ago you know like it'd be no question like make the trade happen get it done right now it's just such a tricky situation just for the salary standpoint and how old kevin is it's 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 just it's a very that's why I think that's why it's taking so long. It's it's a lot of variables. It's tough. But Miami is a team that like he really likes. And um I, I think that I don't think it's a that distant of a second if if it is in the rankings. Well, if it were to happen, that's an interesting case where everything it would take to get him would really warp the shape of their roster, I would imagine. Right. Like you would have to think Bam Adebayo would be in that deal presumably going to a third team or, or whatever you would need to do to resolve the fact that Bam and Ben Simmons can't be on the same roster uh, as designated player guys. And so then you're looking at like Dwayne Dedman as your starting center on, on a Kevin Durant-led championship contender with Jimmy Butler on it. And I mean, I like Dwayne Dedman as much as the next guy, but th- that's, that's a, I, I don't know that that's where I would want to live. Here's the key, like for both the Phoenix Suns, and I, I don't know if the Phoenix Suns, I don't mean to say that. I don't. We'll, we'll see. Like if they're, like we'll see if they can get a deal done, right? But based on the the wish list, both teams would have to gut so much. And say it. Let's let's just go down the line. If he goes to Phoenix, um, let's just say the big three is Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. Yeah. Two of those guys, and KD and Chris Paul, have very significant, you know, injury history. You know, well, not in like they've both had injuries throughout even last season that have had them out for long stretches of time. Yeah. And that speaks to their age. Right. So if you put him in Phoenix, that's something you're going to have to monitor with him. If you put him in Miami, also something you're going to have to monitor with that whole team. Right. Not just Kevin Durant, but like what Kyle Lowry, too. Right. Um, And, you know, to an extent. Uh, Jimmy Butler, who missed playoff games. You know how hard it is for superstars to miss playoff games. They have to be significant enough injuries to do so. So that's something to kind of keep your eye on as well. Like Kevin Durant on either team makes them a title contender, but you have to really manage his health and the people around him when you do um, and when you do take him on. And there's kind of a funny trade-off with that too, which is not only are you making your roster older, as you mentioned, and you need to be mindful of of his minutes and usage and managing all these guys at once, but usually you're trading away all of the young players who would help you do that, right? Like yeah. the Mikhail Bridges, the Tyler Heroes, the whoever that is for the, the roster he gets traded to, the guys who'd be like, oh, you know, we need to rest our veterans tonight. You need to play 43 minutes. Yep. Those guys, you know, you have to bump one or two spots down the pecking order. Now it's Cam Johnson is that guy now instead yeah. of Mikhail Bridges. And that's that's a bit of a dip. It's like when Kobe, when Kobe Bryant had his trade request in 2007. And... Jerry Buss basically was like, "Yo, we'll trade you to the Bulls if you want to go to the Bulls, but we're gonna ta- we're gonna gut all of the Bulls roster, and you're basically gonna be in the situation you're in right now. You know, you can go anywhere, but we're gonna gut that team because you are that special. That seems like like it. That seems like a catch twenty two, <laughs> man. You know, like it's it's just we haven't seen a situation like this." in a long time because the fact of the matter is there is a world where you know it's a wild world to have but like there's a world if he goes back to if both Kyrie and Kevin go back to Brooklyn for training camp 
you know, that's that'll be very interesting. That'll be a very interesting media day. Do you think it was the highlight of Luol Deng's career that Kobe was like, I don't want to go to the Bulls if you have to trade Luol Deng and Kirk Heinrich to get me? <laughs> Probably. Or, you know, when Luol Deng like got all that bread and didn't have to play. That was pretty I mean, tight. That's pretty cool. You know, just, that, just that was a rich, too. a rich Lakers history in general for Luol Deng, it turns out. Well, shout out to Luol Deng, man. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's go to uh, let's go to Golden State. Very interesting team. Very interesting team. And I'm got to be honest with you. You know, there was a, a recent um, report uh, from the Athletic that was just really good, and I kind of want to talk through with that. But um, just basically talking about the salaries and who will get an extension. What are the possibilities that each person, each uh, Draymond gets an extension, that Wiggins gets an extension, that. Pool gets an extension. And I don't want to dive too much into the article, but you guys should go check that out. Um, but it just seems the Warriors, and I think, I don't know if we talked about this during the finals, but this seems like, okay, I'll go back. 2018 media day. Uh, it was the final media day at uh, the Warriors Oakland facility, right? It was the final media day uh, with, Kevin Durant with uh, with Clay Thompson, with Steph Curry, um, Draymond Green. They took the picture with all of those guys and DeMarcus Cousins. Like the, it was like just the super team just stunting on everybody, right? It was just that. But before that all happened, Steve Kerr addressed the media and basically was like, we need to enjoy this time because it's fleeting. And I think we are at that stage now again with the Warriors, with this iteration of the Warriors, because they're at another crossroads right now um, where they have a lot of money. Like the Warriors are, you want to talk about a rich organization. They are printing money there. We see it every time we go to Chase Center. But it seems like this is probably the year where it's like, this is the last year of this iteration of the team. And I think this is going to be a not a last dance per se but it's going to be one of those things like you know i wrote back um during the finals like they are trying to be the spurs right that is the benchmark that is something that they want to do so i don't think this is a bulls last dance type season but i think it is a spurs like transition season if you will where this is a season where they gotta make sure that their young guys hit Kaminga has to hit. Moody has to hit. Poole has to take another step so they can justify, you know, because younger guys are cheaper, 
right? It is what it is. Yep. Um, and this is the time where they got a hit, but this is also a time where it's like, okay, this might be the last time we see this group in the same. And this is the last might be the last time we see this group um, on a roster together. So when you say that, when you say, you know, when you're circling back to we need to enjoy this moment because it's fleeting, because this is a a last ride together, do you see that because of the financial ramifications or do you see that because of the age of the core guys? I mean, I guess those are not mutually exclusive conversations, but do you lean one way or the other? I think it's a bit of both, right? Because you have a you have um the money aspect. I think Andrew Wiggins represents the money aspect of this, right? Where we'd love to have him can he take a smaller, can he take a pay cut? Not necessarily take a pay cut, but can he take less than he would on the open market yep. for, uh, to stay here? There's a, you know, there's a side on, you know, this is hypothetical. Andrew Wiggins might be thinking, man, I balled out the whole postseason. I am one, a huge reason why we are champs when we didn't even think we were going to win a title this year, Right. And there's the other side from the Warriors of like, nah, man, when you came here, we kind of built you up into this great player. Not to say you weren't great before, but we put you into positions where you didn't need to have pressure. You were fine. We just needed, there was really no pressure on your role. Can you give us a discount for that? And can you like buy into win t- more titles? And then you have a guy like, you have a guy like Draymond who is, is it represents the age part of it, your question, where, you know, we saw throughout the playoffs, there were times where he played great, where you're like, oh my goodness, he's indispensable. I sat next to you game six of the NBA finals where he, and where he's hitting threes right in front of us. And there was a moment where we looked at each other like, what, one, what the <laughs> hell is happening? And two, I think this game is over, <laughs> but right where, and then there's also the games where he gets taken out. In crunch time minutes, yep. right? That and you know, there's been reporting that he wants the max, um, and that makes sense. And there's a twofold thing to that, where Draymond is so important to this team, to where in his mind, hell yeah, he just he he's justified in asking for the max. Um, but a lot of that has to do in his time, and this is just everything involved. A lot of the reason why he has stayed for as long as he stayed is because of Steph, you know is because Steph wants him there. And Steph um and Steph is he's a guy that Steph will always trust and will always ride for. And he's a guy that honestly Steph hasn't won without. You know, he's won without certain guys, but he hasn't the, those guys have not been Draymond Green. Every time you go on a podium after a finals, Draymond Green is right there with Steph, you know, and there's a lot to be said about keeping your superstars happy. But there's the other side of that where, you know, sometimes the Warriors get, you know, annoyed with, you know, all the all the stuff that Draymond provides, all everything like they're, they're all the stuff that Draymond that comes with Draymond, you know, um, you know, he can he's a great teammate. He's a great leader, but he also can be draining, you know, that we've seen that before. And, you know, sometimes and. He hates when you say that, but like, there's been times where you're like, has Draymond lost a step? Has the Draymond like, has, has absolutely, he, yeah, you know, they, they, we have thought that. Uh, so Draymond's going to be the tricky one. I don't, um, and when I say the team could look different, I'm not saying I, I don't know after this year, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see Draymond's future with the Warriors. Just, um, you're going to have to pay him a lot, and I, I know, um, his availability has just been on, on the timeline a lot, you know, seeing what he like, what he'll do and where he'll go. Um, it'll be interesting. I think if, you know, if the Warriors don't, if they don't come to a, a an agreement with Dre or if they don't, if, if there is an end of the road with Dre, it's going to be interesting. The Pistons are obviously an intriguing team just because he's so close to them. But also the Lakers. <laughs> if LeBron is still there, the Lakers are would would definitely be an intriguing option for for Draymond because, I mean, these days Draymond spends more time with LeBron than he does with Steph. Like, you know, when when LeBron goes to Drew League, like who's front row is Draymond. You know, it's it's uh, and he lives out there. That would be an intriguing possibility. But um, the Warriors are just in a, in an interesting state. Like this season is going to be one of those seasons where you know. It's, the nostalgia is going to be there, but you might want to, you might want to uh, just 
appreciate what you see this season because it, it might it's going to be like a dra- I think drastic changes um, next offseason, next summer. I think that makes sense. And the, there really were kind of two phases to what the Warriors were doing this offseason, right? There's the first phase, which is, are we going to keep Gary Payton II and Otto Porter and Nemanja Bielitsa and those guys? The answer is no to any of those guys. They all signed with different teams or, or Nemanja Bielitsa got up out of the NBA. And then there's the second phase, which is all this extension stuff. And although that seems like a distant concern, all of these extension talks are very much present tense conversations, right? Because absolutely, you look, at, you look at Draymond's potential extension. He is a guy who, if he is dead set on, I want this number, I want a four-year extension, and he doesn't get it, that becomes a looming problem over the course of your year. That's something that is in the locker room, that is in the air, that is a something that is being talked about all season long. If Jordan Poole is dead set on getting his extension and doesn't get it, and I think the Warriors have every reason with Poole to play it out. I mean, he's going to be a restricted free agent. It's a totally different case. Yeah. But if the Warriors don't feel like they want to give him that money, then they have to start thinking about what does a Jordan Poole trade look like? Like, what does his market look like? Who else would be interested in him if we if we need to move the Poole contract so that we can get the Wiggins extension done so that we can live with the bottom line financially? You have to start having those conversations. and. These are all individually very thorny cases to parse, right? Like yeah. you, you nailed it with the Draymond situation. What Draymond Green is, what his basketball contributions are worth to the Warriors is so much more than almost any other team. And so do you pay him based on that? Do you pay him based on what his open market value is, which I think would be much lower, but you never know. You really only need one team, whether it's the Pistons or Lakers or otherwise, to throw an offer at him. And then poof, one of the institutions of your franchise is gone. Yeah. Like How you assess Draymond, Green, Draymond Green's value, how you assess, assess Andrew Wiggins' value, who, as you mentioned, part of his... like. Andrew Wiggins is the perfect case of to be a championship team. You almost need your third and fourth players to be overqualified for their roles to win. That's just kind of where the NBA is right now. And if those are guys who are instead overperforming or overstretching to try to fit those roles, then when you need them to step up in big moments, they can't. Wiggins is exactly the kind of player the Warriors need. And he's a very difficult type of player to replace as a wing guy who can score, who can defend, who can do all this stuff. Like, I think you have to pay that guy. And do you yeah. have to pay Draymond Green? I don't know. Do you have to pay Jordan Poole? Probably, but not now. Do you have to pay Clay Thompson, who's also extension eligible? I think down the line, but also probably not now. Like he's at least got two full seasons under contract. But oh my God, these are huge conversations to have for a, for a franchise that if they just paid everybody, which I think is the instinct that a lot of basketball fans would say, just pay everyone, just give them all their extensions. That is a $500 million per season roster with the tax. If you pay all these guys, uh, which to your point about the athletics report, Marcus Thompson did great reporting on that basically said, that's not a viable option. That's not even remotely realistic for where the warriors are. And so they are printing money, but they're not printing $500 million worth of money. Clearly. Um, Also Anthony Slater on that one too, but, um, it's it's interesting because and I, I want to stay on Draymond, but I do want to get to Pool and uh, Wigs in a second. But Draymond's so tricky, also because like him and his biggest advocate has been Bob Myers, the GM of the team that has to make all these decisions, you know. And it was funny because the end of Game Six, when they won the title, they were celebrating. You know, uh, it was a big celebration between you know. Clay, Draymond, and Steph. And it was a happy to be back at this moment, but also like a big reminder that, yo, we don't lose when we're together. Hint, hint. Not just the rest of the league, but hint, hint, front office. (laughs) You know? You guys don't win without us. Hint, hint. You know? And some, you know, I know Draymond is very straightforward, but like, you know, the other guys like to throw some blims too. Right. Like Steph was even throwing that, you know, we haven't, you know, we know we haven't lost together. Right. He's been, they've been doing that. And that's been, you know, it's this team still centers around Steph. And, and, um, now I don't know if he has carte blanche like some of the other superstars. I think there's a bit more partnership in terms of, you know, with Steph in the front office. Um, but I don't know, man. It's hard to see if he'll win out on this one. We'll see. It depends on what, you know, Draymond acts for. 
or what what got what they come to. Now, as far as Wiggins and Poole, that's another conversation because Poole has an advantage on his side because he was homegrown in that system, you know, and they they seen him grow and do all these things in in the same way that Clay and Steph and Draymond, he's on that track because he was drafted by the organization and everybody loves him you know i think that uh you know steve kerr told me um earlier this season that our hope is that we pass the baton to him you know so i do think that they want to get pool locked in now they do have you know they can't get an extension done before the season i think it would behoove them to wait a little bit um, just to see what he does if he does take that next step, you know, because this was just one season. Um, and so if he can continue to maintain consistency, we'll see. Wiggins, Wiggins is a tricky case. I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't have my finger on if they, if he, if they cash him all the way out or if they um, kind of take a wait and see approach or do it, maybe do a sign and trade or something like that. His, his future here isn't as ironclad as some other people. Um, so, like I said, I think that goes back to the overall point of this is like the last season of this iteration. Does it mean that they're not going to compete for titles? No, I think that that's their ultimate goal. But they, it's time for their young guns to pop this season because those are the cheaper guys. And I think whether they pop or not, not this season coming up, but next season they're going to have a large role regardless because the the high money, all the high money guys aren't going to be there after this season. I think that's a really smart read on it, especially because, you know, we're having this conversation with Poole now because he's coming off year three of his career. Moody and Kaminga are at that same place in two years. You know, mm-hmm. these conversations are not going away. The numbers will change. They'll slide around. And of course, as you, if you get one of these giant contracts off the books, it becomes a little simpler and easier to manage. But those big contracts are attached to essential championship players. And as we talked about, guys who are very difficult to replace, even if you do, you know, sign and trade Andrew Wiggins or or do whatever you you think is necessary to make this make sense from a basketball financial perspective. Balancing all of that with talent that's going to become increasingly expensive on the younger side of your roster, these are very difficult things to manage. And it's Again, all of this bottom line is a matter of like what the Warriors are willing to spend. And I know that's not a very sympathetic position to come from, but they're already the most expensive roster in the history of the league. So asking them to basically start lapping the rest of the NBA in the process. I mean, you can ask it. You can try to have those conversations. I don't know that it's very realistic. And so then you start looking at, you know, this is a great team that at some point is going to have to start tightening its belt somewhere in terms of some of these costs, some of these players, someone... Changes will have to be made in the next two seasons, if not next season. I ask you, will they be back in the in the final four? Yes. I think, I think they so. will. I yeah. think they'll be there. I think they'll be right in the thick of the title run next year. Um let's go to the Boston Celtics. You know, like this whole summer has been centered around Kevin Durant, and we got another um report that, you know, basically essentially amounted to the Celtics kicked the tires on KD. Now, we don't know when they did it. We know yeah. when it was reported, which I think it upended their roster just a little bit. It kind of, it, it it's not a stretch to say that it, it, it rubs some folks in the, in the Boston Celtics organization the wrong way. And, but some folks, I mean, Jalen Brown. He right? didn't seem thrilled. You know? He didn't seem thrilled by it, right? And that's just interesting, right? Because he's, clearly Tatum is the golden child, right? They're not trading, they're not trading Tatum you got to feel for for Jalen Brown, who is one of those guys that has been really, really good. I think he's like one of those Jimmy Butler types that consist, is consistently great, but consistently gets overlooked and how good, almost underrated in that way every year. And then you see him every season like, oh, Jalen Brown is good, guys. Just just so you know. What do you think? Uh, where do you think this, 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 uh, this goes for, for Brown, right? Is he... Is he I think he has two years left on his deal. Does he just be like, man, fuck this? Like, you got, I'm always in, in some kind of rumor. I'm always doing this. Or does he like, okay, this is the, this is what it is for being an, thought of as a number two. This is just what I have to go to be on this team. Because this isn't the first time he's kind of got, gotten this type of uh, coverage. Yeah, not at all. I mean, he's been in every every significant superstar to come on the market. There's 
do we trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard? You know, you can find that content out there from when he was leaving San Antonio. So this is not a new phenomenon by any means. But I do think the conversation is is interesting and thorny. And in particular, do you give up Jalen Brown for 34-year-old Kevin Durant, right? Like that theoretical concept is a really fascinating philosophical place to start. And in particular, because I think you get to this place where you're not getting Jalen Brown necessarily forever, even if you don't trade for Kevin Durant, right? You mentioned could be a free agent in two seasons, could be up out of there by his own choice. And I think there's a distinct difference between, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were a little prickly about the conversation of whether you need to trade to break them up in the middle of the season. And clearly they were right to be prickly about it. Clearly that's a team that can get to the NBA finals. They validated all of those concerns. They washed a lot of that away. But it's, very, it's pretty different when you're talking about, do we need to break up this team versus I'm Jalen Brown. I'm a free agent for the first time in my career. I've never really gotten the opportunity to be the guy on a team that I'm on. And in fact, I've been asked to be the fourth guy on some of these Celtics teams. I've been asked to flex my role and to scale down to be less than what my talent says I am. Am I really going to turn down max money to go to a admittedly probably a lesser basketball situation, but one in which I get to be more prominent? That's yeah. such a different conversation. And so you're you're basically like, I think what you're betting on as the Celtics is, do we want to maximize our window now with trading for Durant, if that takes Brown and Smart or whoever it takes to get there, basically betting on a Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant core and trying to win over these next two years, essentially? Or do we think do we think we can re-sign Jalen Brown? What is our confidence level in that? Because if if you think that there's only like a, 60 to 70% chance that you're going to re-sign Jalen Brown. I think the Kevin Durant conversation starts to get pretty spicy pretty quickly. I do wonder what this does for the psyche of the next year's Boston Celtics team because they're, they're, it still seems even after a finals run, they were pretty fragile, you know? And I wonder what this, what these rumors do for a team, right? Because we talk about the finals winners and what they do after they win the title, but like the finals losers, it doesn't really see it since what I would say that since uh, the Warriors uh, Cavaliers run of where they just went played each other every year, like the next year for the finals loser has not been great, you know, and you talk about a young team um, led by two young dudes. I'm really curious to see what that does. Like, Jalen uh, is one thing, but Jason Tatum as well, because Jason Tatum has had an interesting summer, right? Like usually when you see a guy lose in the way that he lost, I think the biggest example is is LeBron when he lost his title. Like they usually like kind of disappear, you know, and kind of, you know, kind of get in a lab and figure it out. Jason Tatum's been outside. You know, he's been go. He's been getting advice from Jay Z. He's been kicking it. He's been going to movie premieres. He's been figuring out. And I, this is not a casting any anything on Jason or what he does or does doesn't do with his time. It's just interesting. Like I wonder what he's gonna be next year because this is a guy that took the finals loss pretty hard. You know, we were there those two uh, um, during the finals, and you know the 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 press conference where you know he has the ball in his hand and where you know. Sign of seems like he was, um, you could tell this was his first time there. And I, I, I'm curious to see, you know, when you have a, a team that's on the, on the rise, like the Celtics are, you got to be careful with them. You got to really be careful with the, the rumors and all those things of, I just, I'm really curious to see what they are next year. I, I, I don't know. Even if Durant or if Durant ever comes or if he doesn't come, like what are the ramifications of that? trade rumor, you know, for this type, this iteration of the Celtics. I think you're right to pinpoint that this was a really emotional loss for the Celtics. I think it is for any team that loses in the finals, but they took it really hard. They like, it was really clear in those post-game press conferences and rightly, they felt they were close. They felt like it was right there for them and that they blew an opportunity. And yet I'm sure they also felt like, okay, finally we can put some of this stuff behind us as far as, Jalen Brown being in persistent trade rumors, for example. And so it's, this isn't what happened, but it's kind of a fascinating like psyop thing that Kevin Durant has done here, which is take the defending Eastern conference champs. And now there's these big questions about, 
how Jalen Brown feels mm-hmm. about playing for that team. Um, just something to consider for future superstars. If you ever want to like just stir some shit up, request a fake trade and then just see what happens as the other teams start like looking around their locker rooms. Are you telling me I need to request his... a trade right now? Are you telling me that I should just like be the, the ringer guinea pig and just be like, yo, hey, yo, Simmons, I'm trying to get traded right now. Absolutely. Logan, we have never lost when we play together. You know, we've never lost. We are Me the and you specifically Steph and Clay. have That's never lost. Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. But I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm just saying like, I'm just asking if that's what you were asking me to do, sir. No, no. I'm just saying if you're okay. another star and you're thinking, man, the Celtics camaraderie is really good right now. Wouldn't it be a shame if someone lobbed Let's a grenade? Let's fuck it up. You know, it's okay. It's not a bad strategy as accidental strategies go. But all of this to say the Celtics are in kind of a precarious place for a team that just had a really successful season. And I think the one of these four teams we're talking about that actually got better. Like the, the personnel of the roster actually improved in bringing in Malcolm Brogdon and adding Danilo Gallinari. You know, two guys who have extensive injury histories, but like, let's see what they got because what you were playing with alternatively is guys who weren't really even in your playoff rotation or at least in your finals rotation. So they should be as likely as any of these four teams to get back to the finals. But there, there is that question of like, where are they going to be mentally coming off of that kind of disappointment? Plus this kind of trade rumor. Plus, as we've seen historically, whatever it is that happens to the Celtics over the course of a regular season, because it's always a lot. And Boston Celtics, another team that got a, a meeting with Kevin Durant in 2016. You know, I mean, one thing to look at, right? And I'm not, I'm not, um, aggregators chill out. So I was always curious to just to see, like, this is something that I think going forward, you'd always should look at is the teams that all that got the meeting, but didn't necessarily get the star that time because in 2014, um, LeBron was a free agent. You know who got a meeting with LeBron, but didn't get him? The Los Angeles Lakers. Just saying. With that being said, will the Celtics be back? I don't think so. I think I think they will, but I don't feel great about saying that. I'm gonna just say because I because I don't feel great about it. I'm gonna say I don't think so. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, I'm gonna give them a vote of confidence. I'm gonna say, you know, healthy Rob Williams. You know, coming in with this new blood, another year for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I'm gonna say they get back, but it's gonna be a rocky road to get there yet again. All right, well there we go. This was fun, man. This was fun. I love when we do podcasts together, bud. This was good. Always. Uh, that was another edition of the Ringer NBA show. This is the Dog Days edition. Um, just want a little housekeeping note for uh, real ones. We will be having our two-year anniversary show really, really soon. So I will send the tweet out when it's time. You know, we want you to call in, lock in with us. Let's go down memory lane. Ask any questions that you want to ask. We'll drop the number in the next, like, uh say like next week or so, you know, let's, let's go with that. We're going to have our two year anniversary really soon next month. So, um, make sure you guys be on the lookout for that. Anything you want to plug for group? Chat? Well, do, do you have a gift picked out for, for Raja? Like, are you getting him an anniversary? Like, I mean, first year is paper. I don't know what two year anniversary even is. Is he going to give me a this gift? This is the that, question. He's right? the NBA player. Raja. Hey, give me a gift, bro. What's you, what's up? Um, uh, but no, I don't know. I'm not, no, yet. We'll see. I think you're right on the we'll dynamic. See. He owes you for hosting the show. Mm, that, my words, I mean, your words, not mine. Um, any, anything you want to plug for group chat? Anything you guys got going? Anything you got going in particular? We're, we're in TBD mode right now, right? Like we're coasting oh, we out are. these summer shows. We'll see when group chat, group chat will return, you know, in ominous yes. big letters on the screen. We'll see when that is. But, you know, we're I'm, I'm enjoying these mixed up pairings. I'm enjoying podding with you, Logan. Man, it's been a blast, man. See you guys soon, man. Um, this has been another edition of the Ringer NBA show. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. 
I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.